0: Hey everybody, welcome back for another fantastic episode of Beyond the Counter, uh, the show where we go behind the scenes to talk about uh, the restaurant industry, retail food service, food and beverage, basically everything that goes on to put your favorite foods on your table this is really a show for anyone in the restaurant industry food service industry who wants to know more about trends and marketing and technology uh, from leaders in the space
1: and today we're going to be speaking with michael mk katz the ceo and founder of m He's got a lot of interesting things to share with us about the state of data and how that may or may not be changing during COVID.
0: So if you're new to the show, welcome. Uh, If you're returning, you know, we definitely encourage you to share with your friends and colleagues. um, And please send us any questions, comments, feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Let's uh, jump into it. Hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome to another exciting episode of Beyond the Counter. Uh, As always, you got Kevin and Jesse here, uh, and we're super excited. We've got a great guest today. We've got MK, uh, Michael Katz, the CEO and co-founder of MParticle. Uh, MParticle is a leading customer data platform that we at Hathaway uh, work with, with a number of mutual clients. Uh, So we're excited to have you here. Thanks, Mike. Can I call you MK?
2: Call me whatever you want. I've uh, certainly been called a lot worse, so it's uh, <laughs> it's it's great to be here.
0: Fantastic. How uh, how are you holding up? I understand you're normally based in New York, but you're out. Uh, hold up in the in the Hamptons.
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, we got out to Southampton probably about four months or so ago. Um, we have two dogs and a four-year-old son, so staying in a Small New York City apartment was not in the cards for us, so uh, it's been it's been good. It's been you know, relatively calm and somewhat uneventful out there, um, and it's good to give everybody space and um, let let the little guy run around.
0: Awesome. Well, good man. Glad we we're staying safe and that the family's doing well. Again, we appreciate Thanks. you being here. I um, I know you have had a super interesting career. And, uh, you know, as I was just kind of going through your LinkedIn, you know, you've started a couple companies, sold them. Um, you know, I'd love for you to just kind of tell our audience a little bit about yourself, uh, your career and kind of what led you to starting in particle.
2: Yeah. Um, well, thank you for, for the kind words. Um, doesn't always feel interesting, but it's, 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 it's definitely fun. Um, it's more interesting like,
0: than customer data. Come on.
2: I, I know. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Look, I, you know, I think I'm a builder and an operator at heart, and I'm really passionate about helping companies solve uh, unique business challenges through the application of, of data. This is, uh, this is the second time I've done it. The first company that I created, along with my brother, Andrew, um, who's our co-founder here at MParticle and was my co-founder at my first company, which, what made us really special and unique and differentiated was the data platform that, that we had built. And so, um, you know, we had some some really strong ideas and and, and and opinions of kind of how things would shake out. But, you know, I think for me specifically, MParticle has always been really personal. Um, so we built a great company first time around, and then it got acquired back in 2011 by Yahoo!, and um, unfortunately, like, I kind of just had to watch it die a slow, painful death inside a um, you know, really big, somewhat inept company. And, you know, for for me, I ended up getting pushed out. And so Particle kind of became like my, my revenge story or like my revenge company. Um, and, you know, that combined with the fact that felt like we had a great idea. Um, we had a unique perspective on how we felt the marketing tech ecosystem would would evolve, especially based on what we saw from the ad tech ecosystem from the mid 2000s to say two thousand eleven or so um, to the deep domain expertise that we had uh, acquired by building what was really you know industry leading um, first party data infrastructure and applying that to a, to a new industry you know all science just pointed to, to us going out and, and, and building again so it's been an incredible ride so far and we get to work with I, I get to work with awesome people all day long both internally and and externally your yourselves included and you know there's there's not a day goes by where um, you know I'm not you know I, I, I don't consider myself like the the luckiest CEO out there.
1: So tell us, it's not just another three letter acronym, what is, what is a CDP, what is a, what is a CDP not, and how should marketers and you know, folks in digital and IT look at a CDP?
2: Yeah, so look, I'll, I will preface this by saying, um, I've never been asked this question, <laughs> uh, no, look. I'll I'll preface it by saying you ask probably ten different people, ten different uh, CEOs of different CDPs, and you you'll get ten different answers. Um, and I think part of that is like it's an it's a new space. There's a lot of a lot of buzz uh, and and hype around it. I, th- I think a lot of it's warranted. Maybe some of it isn't. But you know, I think like for for me, the way I think about the customer data platform is that it is data infrastructure for your marketing technology stack, um, full full stop. So we don't get into the application or the execution layer. We sit squarely in the infrastructure layer. So ultimately, <clears throat> our job is, um, is to deliver data from various sources and systems, places where customer data is created or may reside, and then deliver it to all the various endpoints and APIs that ultimately consume it, um, and 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 do it in in real time. You know that's kind of like the, the the stock description, but you know from a more practical standpoint, there's probably a jobs to be done lens that I could I, I could look at things through, um, and our our role. That we serve when we work with customers is um, probably twofold. Uh, I'd say it's about um, improving data quality and improving/simplifying integrations. We're in we're we're, we're in a day and age uh, in in 2020, and, and you know, admittedly, we probably have been for the past number of years. But you know, brands are aren't built. Around a media plan anymore. Um, they're defined and built around customer experience, um, and the quality of the entire customer experience is is what defines and, and builds brands, right? It's not so. It's not just like the first mile or or, or the last mile, um, but but defining. You know, how do I create the best possible uh, customer experience holistically is, is probably one of the, the, the biggest moats that any brand can, can build around itself. So, yeah, I mean, typically that's, that, that's how I think about it. It's, it's infrastructure to, to end up um, delivering data that underpins you know, world class industry defining customer experience.
0: So, so we'll get in some use cases because I definitely want to get your opinion on like what are some use cases that having a CDP in your technology stack can unlock and specifically for the QSR restaurant category. But kind of before we do, you know, I'd say three years ago, 99% of people had not heard the term customer data platform three or four years ago, right? And then it just yeah. caught on like wildfire. Um, you know, Forrester started reporting on it. Um, you know, saying it's the number one investment by CIOs and you know, what was it about now? Because we've been talking about like as an industry or just marketers and and technologists, we've been talking about single view of the customer for like 10 years. And why Mm -hmm. is it now that all of a sudden, you know, we're able to actually start to move towards, you know, realizing that vision?
2: yeah um so the the reality of the world that, that that we all live in now is that there's more data being created and consumed than than ever before different types of data just more more platforms and devices creating data i mean we, we walk around with computers in our in our hands or or in our pockets that are generating data even even as we're not using it right um, or or actively using it and so you have more data going to more sources and systems and endpoints and applications and websites and APIs than, than ever before. And there is this incredible ecosystem of, of tools that help brands create these experiences and then, and then measure these experiences and these tools are all built to do their jobs really well. Um, But one of the kind of unintended consequences of that fragmentation is the more tools that brands use to to underpin those experiences, the more data silos there there become. Um, And I think you look at any company across any industry, big or small, and everybody's dealing with data silos and, and, and data fragmentation. And so, so why now? Um, I would say it's the, it, it is that fragmentation on, on both sides, right? So you have more consumer platforms, right? So the, the customer experience is no longer single threaded. So it's not just about going to a website or not. It's, you know, there's, 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 there's websites, there's mobile applications, there's connected TV applications, there's point of sale systems, there's, Um, wearables. There's kind of the whole IOT universe, right? Um, The shift to 5G is also going to kind of further accelerate that. And then you have on the, on the other side, fragmentation of all of the different vendor and service provider ecosystems that, that consume that, that data exhaust. And so more fragmentation here, more fragmentation here means that you have to do something in the middle to to, to to get your hands around all of this data, to wrangle it, to get it into a, um, a better, more hygienic state by which you can then map the customer journey more holistically, by which you can simplify your downstream integrations, by which you can connect data in real time across your different um, marketing channels and, and partners to, to create, um, truly personalized but also consistent experiences across different um, different touch points um, there's really no shortage of, of, of use cases but as um, as as technology continues to fragment there's always going to be an opportunity for aggregation of some sort
1: so you know we, we do a lot of consulting with our clients where we help them, you know, make, you know, build versus buy versus just, you know, like crawl, walk, run decisions with technology platforms. And sometimes we might advise a customer, hey, you know, this particular platform or type of platform, you know, maybe, you know, your it it might be in year two or year three of your maturity and let's not worry about it right now. Then there's other platforms you know, for example, like where you vault your credit cards that are so foundational or so difficult to migrate away from that you really got to get it right from the beginning. Do you see CDP fitting into is it it has to be foundational? Can it be at various stages in the journey? Um, I'm wondering kind of what your thoughts there are there and what you might advise, um, you know, brands at various levels of maturity to um, to decide?
2: Yeah, great, great question. Um, Look, I I think you know every, every every company in the in the world to not only exist but also thrive on a on a go forward basis has to has to become a digitally native company, right? And I think that's that's really the um, the thing that, that that COVID accelerated by a bunch of years. Um, and when you think about that digitization or digital transformation, I think that there's well, there's a number of phases, but I like. I'm gonna try to simplify. I think that there's two distinct phases. There's the um, uh, zero to one phase. So I'm gonna get rid of the the fax machines and I'm gonna move to to DocuSign or EchoSign and just you know catch up with kind of the rest of the world. Uh, I'm gonna stand up a um, a website that goes beyond brochureware and gets into being able to support. Transactions and, and and doing it seamlessly and, and and make my products and services and goods available online for, for people to consume and and, and buy. There's a and, and and move to the cloud and kind of all that stuff. Um, so I look at all those all those activities as as um, kind of fitting squarely in that kind of zero to one stage. And then you have one to n. And when you're going from one to n you're dealing with a whole bunch of new challenges and opportunities that you either like didn't think about before or you didn't invest in significantly before. And that's everything from, um, personalization to data governance to, um, you know, effective, um, marketing orchestration and uh data the data quality that underpins all of it and you know these are kind of higher order challenges so i would i would put ourselves at the kind of one to end stage but we really need to be thought of as the very first part of that one to end stage because without that uh as a brand you're building can you build the house? Sure. But you're going to be building it on, on a shaky foundation.
0: Yeah. And a lot of those things you talked about, you know, we kind of put those in the acceleration phase. So, so in the restaurant category we'll tend to look at like four phases of digital maturity. So some level of like initiation phase, a foundational building phase an acceleration phase, and then ultimately getting to true innovation. Uh, Our version of your kind of zero to one is that initiation phase, you know, you're starting to take online orders, maybe you're building a loyalty program, but you're just kind of starting to move in that direction. Foundational is really where you're putting custom experiences, uh, more robust software, and really where we start looking at implementing CDPs so that as you move into more of an acceleration phase, you can do a lot of the the testing, the optimization, the more advanced analytics that that you mentioned in the past. And then eventually become an innovator where digital is a true part of your DNA um, and really every aspect of your business.
2: Yeah I, I like the way you you, you you put that and you parsed out that one-to-end phase, I think much much better than, than, than I did, um, but' it's, it's ultimately about going from existing and, and, and just being there to being really good at, at, at delivering that customer experience.
0: So so in the restaurant category, you guys work with or MParticle works with a lot of um, amazing brands and, you know, you help them unlock a lot of use cases that are more sophisticated. Uh, Mm -hmm. One example was the uh, Whopper Detour campaign. Certainly Mm -hmm. want to hear about that, Um, but also would love to hear, you know, what other kind of use cases specific to the, the restaurant industry does having a CDP in place help unlock for marketers and technologists?
2: Yeah. So if I if I step back, I think QSR as well as retail um, have always been incredibly uh, valuable um, verticals to, to to us, or incredibly important verticals to, to us because of the multi-channel nature of that customer experience. Again, brands are not built on on the media plant anymore. Um, so it's all about how do I deliver something to the, the customer that, that turns them from this passive state to more of like an active customer to uh, a, a brand enthusiast and loyalist to somebody that's kind of screaming from the mountaintops. I, I, I loved my interaction with this, with this brand. Um, and because of the, the, the multi-channel nature of, of QSR, especially with, with mobile at the center where a lot of the ordering is, is happening, um, data unification, um, and the need to improve data quality are at the center of the, of the bullseye. Like they are the, the, the nucleus of it. Um, I would also just say like CPG is, is, is an interesting vertical for us increasingly, um, over certainly the, the past couple of years as, um, as 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 many uh, cpg brands have have moved from outsourcing the customer relationship to retail brands and now wanting to own that that customer relationship directly um but in in all cases yeah it's all about customer experience and 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 personalization and being able to do something for the customer that that feels unique and novel and, and and smart and i think like the Burger King example was a was a great one. Um, they, came to, they came to us uh, and said, we have this this, this great idea. We want to conquest you know, our, our, our closest competitor and anybody that has our app on their phone. We want to be able to deliver them real-time notifications based on where they are in, in proximity to that um, to that competitor's locations. And so they had to draw. Seventeen thousand geofences around those competitor uh, stores around uh, around the United States, and as as users were going into those geo fences, we would um, collect the signal. We would get it off to the the geofencing partner of ours, uh, a company called Radar here in, in in New York City. We would get the ping back from them. We get. Um, that data off to the marketing automation partner uh, Braze, we would then um, deliver that information to the next vendor who would deep link them into an experience where they could then go and redeem the QR code at the point of sale system. If they did it in under 10 minutes, they could do it for for a penny. And all the while we're also getting data into their data warehouse, um, as well as their product analytics suite. Um, as well as a few other vendors on the, on the periphery. And so being able to do that and do it in real time, um, you know, before they talked to us, they talked to Salesforce and Salesforce quoted them this outrageous number. It was millions of dollars and it would take them 18 to 24 months to deliver V one of this. Um, We had them literally up and running in less than two weeks. Um, And it, it, it was done at a fraction of the, of the cost. And, you know, they obviously went on to, to do, you know, in, incredible things with that campaign culminating in them winning the, 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 the Can Lion Grand Prix last summer. Um, and um, you know, I think it's kind of widely heralded as, you know, the the, the single campaign that was responsible for putting Burger King on the map as a, as a really sophisticated technology organization. Cause I don't think that most people thought of them as this highly sophisticated, um, uh, technology company before that, but well, that campaign, Ar-
0: you know, that campaign launched mobile ordering for them. Like they didn't have mobile ordering before this campaign launch. So, um, yeah, totally. I don't think anybody thought of them as a leader in technology at the time.
2: Yeah. I mean, they, they ascended to you know, the number one spot in the app store. Too right, and so if you have the number one spot in the App Store for you know, I think it was like a week or two, there's no denying you're a technology company. So it was just it was just fascinating to see, uh, you know, all of the all of the commitment on on their side and the coordination across a number of, of vendors who were were all aligned hip to make sure that we delivered the best possible experience for for them as the as the brand and. And the customer, because um, I, would, I would also say that like all of the uh, excitement and the, and the value that we can create as a as a technology as, as this customer data platform and, 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 and all of the facilitation that that we do to accelerate digital transformation it you know the, the platform is only one part of it right you still need you, you need the people and you also need the the process to to support it and without those two other legs of the stool no platform by itself is going to get you all the way there
1: so mk can you give us any examples of uh how your platform or cdps in general have helped uh, brands succeed despite the odds during covid
2: yeah um i think that there's a there's, there's a few examples here. Um, you know, I think when I think about the, um, the, 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 hardship or the pain that brands were feeling as, as kind of COVID kicked in and the, and the, and the world became disrupted and everybody kind of separated and, 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 and nobody was really, um, uh, going into any physical locations or, um, uh, and, and, and nobody was congregating in, 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 large groups. Um, you know, the, the only way to kind of truly survive that was, um, by being able to, um, make that shift to, to digital channels. And, um, you know, for, a number of our customers who already had a digital presence and and were already in that that one-to-end state, it was about um, kind of moving further along that um, that that digitization process. So I forget I forget the exact stages that 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 um, you guys use, but it went from um, I would say like the the. You know I, I think about it in terms of like the product development life cycle it went from the the commercialization phase where you know they they knew that they had to unify data and they wanted to be able to simplify uh the the connectivity aspect of it out to the to the marketing tech ecosystem and then really getting into that optimization phase so bringing on more partners and looking at the cDP through the lens of like Change management and, and and life cycle management. Um, no, unfortunately, some of our customers, uh, their businesses were deeply impacted by by COVID, and they had to do furloughs or reduction in, in forces. And um, you know, the the one thing that kind of stayed constant was was the CDP, um, because even if they weren't running marketing campaigns. They still had to analyze customer data. They still had to provide customer support. They still needed to get data from multiple different systems to um, multiple different destinations and and, and endpoints. And as there was turnover within the team, um, the CDP was was the system that allowed them to maintain continuity in their in their business. And I think it became. Really apparent to us when not just the the types of companies that, that you would you would think would would actually do well during during COVID. So the shift to mobile ordering, I think, was was a great example. We have a number of, of e-commerce businesses like like Walmart that saw a massive acceleration in ordering through their through their mobile apps and um, and, and and websites. But then, you know, we actually saw a number of businesses that had been meaningfully disrupted, um, primarily in like the, 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 the travel and, and hospitality spaces come to us and say, hey, you know what, like things are, things are not good for us right now, but we've also been granted this opportunity. We've been given a moment in time where we are completely free of the normal day-to-day pressures of of running the business and and, and the demands and constraints of trying to meet the demands of of the business. And we have this, this moment in time where we can implement infrastructure so that we can come out stronger on the other side. So there's companies like Lyft who came to us during COVID. And, um, we started working with those guys in, I don't know, April or so. And yeah, you know, they started running, um, data into the system and, 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 getting data to a, to a much better place than I think it, it had been for them. And then running, um, cross channel campaigns and, um, and, and, and augmenting their personalization efforts, uh, for, for, Kind of both sides of their marketplace for for both drivers and and riders, and you know to see to see companies come and say, you know what, if I'm going to do this right, how would I do it? And 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 to see them identify the CVP as the core underlying infrastructure. I mean, it gave it gave me, it gave I think our employees, definitely our investors, a ton of hope in what this means for for the viability of, of the company and the category long-term.
0: Um, well, MK, this has been a fantastic conversation. We sincerely appreciate you coming on the podcast, sharing some pearls of wisdom, um, data, data strategy. It's become a huge part of what we do in our day-to-day uh, solutions that we create for restaurant brands. And you guys have been a fantastic partner. Grand has been a fantastic partner. So thank you for your support um, and uh, stay safe out there.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, couldn't do it without you guys. Thanks for for having me on. It's been awesome. So good to see you guys. And yeah, stay safe. Be well.
1: So MK, sounds like he's yet another believer that COVID is the great accelerator. And in his perspective, uh, that companies to make it today and in the next you know, few months or years are going to have to become digitally native companies if they're not already. And digitally native means data rich, having to be able to, being able to collect that data, analyze that data, act on that data. CDPs are a big part of that. What do you think, Kevin?
0: Yeah, it was great to hear just kind of a simple definition of what CDPs actually are, what they can do and some of the use cases they, that they can unlock. You know a lot of brands are kind of at that foundational stage of their maturity model where integrating a CDP is critical so that they can continue to move and evolve and move into more of like an acceleration phase uh, and start doing things like personalization, contextually relevant communications and really understand uh, you know who their customers are at an individualized level i mean with uh, with Covid uh, and you know the, the pandemic that we're in right now and the massive shift towards digital ordering, restaurant brands are capturing more data on an individual basis than ever before. And it's really helping restaurants to understand who their customers actually are. Um, And this will kind of fuel the next wave of digital transformation, which will really be built on personalization.
1: You know, one of the interesting takes that MK uh, has, which I think, you know, plays very well with, you know, how we operate as a company at Hathaway is that one of the key purposes of data is actually to provide a better experience for the customer. And that the more you know about your customer, the better you can personalize that. And if you think about it kind of, when you go into a brick and mortar environment, like maybe your favorite restaurant or your favorite bar, sometimes this will come back after COVID. It's the ones who know you, you know, where everybody knows your name, right? And I think if businesses can, you know, can, play off of that responsibly and actually create a better experience they're going to see more loyalty with customers and and you know data you know is really what's driving that absolutely
0: i mean if you look at most applications in the restaurant industry uh, they're the same for every user. They they might say hello Kevin or hello Jesse, but beyond that, it's largely the same experience. But if I am a you know very infrequent infre- customer, but you're a heavy user, who's to say we shouldn't have totally different experiences when we interact with their applications or websites? I, I would say we, that they absolutely should have very different experiences. <music> Hey, if you like the show, you know, please share with your your friends, your colleagues, uh, your co-workers. Uh, if you have any feedback or any topics that you'd like us to cover, please uh, shoot us a note. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Beyond the Counter.
3: Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Before we go, we wanted to just remind our wonderful listeners about our partnership with the amazing folks over at No Kid Hungry. The work that the team over there is doing is essential to help combat the huge effect the shutdown of schools has had on children's ability to rely on daily meals. Since the pandemic, one in four households with children are now facing hunger, a huge jump from the one in seven that had been reported just last September. Every podcast, Hathaway is contributing $500 in our guest's name to No Kid Hungry. And through this effort, we plan to donate $10,000 to assist the team in the incredible work they're doing by the end of the year. MK, thanks for being an awesome guest on the podcast. We loved having you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, everyone. For more info on Hathaway and Beyond the Counter, please visit us at wearehathaway.com. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe, and we'll catch you on the next Beyond the Counter. (music) Thank <music> you.